Hi, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, here to let you know about a new and innovative theater major, the BA in Theater and Business Arts at the University of Providence. Get the education and experience you need as a theater artist and the business acumen to succeed in your career. Visit broadwaybullet.com and stay tuned to the end of the program for more info. Now, enjoy the show. All the ball. Well, I wouldn't want it to be too perfect every night. It is live after all. Looking at Lincoln Center, it sounds very huge and elevated. And that's what it feels like, like once you're working there. Because rent is about much more than just friendship, love, and musical theater. It was about something that shook musical theater. People are becoming more and more I mean, we do it all. You know, we don't we don't back away from anything. Welcome to Broadway Bullet, Volume 135. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and as always, we got some exclusive in-studio performances, interviews, songs, and a whole lot more. But our real big news that we're announcing is our brand new web player. And this is about a whole lot more than just this podcast. Uh, we, it's really nice. you got to go to broadwaybullet.com and check it out. Uh, it's a great-looking player. You can embed this and share this on your MySpace pages, your blog, even Facebook. Facebook doesn't allow a lot of stuff on it, but uh, this player is one of them, so uh, that's real easy. There's different channels for a lot of media. Um, there's the Broadway Bullet exclusive channel, where we've got not only these podcasts, but we've got videos of some of our in-studio performances. We've also got YouTube videos that we found that are related to the interviews we do, and uh, we're going to be having contests and stuff on there as well, unique uh, submit audio and video contests. There's also a New York channel and a regional channel that is going to allow uh, the PR reps from the various companies to just submit their video and audio content for you to look at, um, and we're going to try to incorporate some regional people. Uh, I don't know, just uh, there will be a thing up. We're going to hopefully look for some regional reviewers that have some credits that like to submit some video reviews of show they see around the country. Uh, there's a new works channel. And writers, if you've written something original, new music or monologue, or you know, if you're an actor in a new play and the writer gives the okay, uh, submit audio or video of your music or monologues or scenes to the new works channel. Uh, the information is right on the player. It's real easy. It's automatically submitted to the channel. Um, and, oh, there's so much going on, and it's really easy to navigate. It can become kind of like your one-stop shop for finding a lot of video. We're not going to be closed. We're going to be open. We'd love to put in content from other theater-related podcasts into the player, so it can be real easy for everybody to find information about what everybody's doing. Uh like I said, it can be very interactive. You can submit audio, video, or text comments for any piece in the player and communicate. Um, and because of like this interactivity, we're looking for ways to involve everybody who wants to kind of contribute to the station, so to speak. Um, and you know, so you can send me your suggestions at info at broadwaybullet.com if you have any ideas of how to use this. Um, so there's also even a built-in chat room on this player that can be followed wherever it's embedded. So if you're Listening to something or watching something on the player, log into the chat room. You know, it's brand new, so there might not be a lot of people at first, but if you make a habit of logging into the chat room as you listen, pretty soon there will probably be some people to chat with as you're looking around and seeing the various content, and other people can suggest great things to look at. Anyway, there's a lot to this thing. I can only scratch the surface, and future episodes will probably focus in on one cool feature, but right now, just go in and 
check it out and take it in and give me your feedback at the info at broadwaybullet.com. Love to hear what you're thinking about this show. Um, we're going to get on with the show. We've got a lot of great stuff. In Act 1, we've got the new musical-ish production of Minimum Wage, along with some exclusive in-studio performances. We've got an interview with Mel and L of This Show Rhymes and a song from that show. We've got an interview with uh, the lead from the Screw Tape Letters that's currently off-Broadway. We're going to hear a song from Scott Allen's new CD uh, with Eden Espinoza singing on it. And then make sure you check out Act 2, which is the next show in this feed. Uh, Volume 135 Act 2 has an up-close interview with Stephen Mohanan, who is doing Klein Coots, but he was uh, the original Tony-nominated Gus the Theater Cat and Cats, and he's got a lot, a lot of great theater stories to tell. Oh, it's a great long interview and real sheer gold for those of you who are looking for some insider theater stories. We've got The Runner's Stumbles, presented by the Actors Theater Company. And for those of you who want more content than just New York, we've got an interview with the co-creators of the L.A. Scene Upright Cabaret, and we got some songs there as well. So it's jam-packed. There's just tons of stuff. I'm so excited. It's been, it's been a great time. Uh, so check it out, and we're going to get rolling. On the boards. With all the talk I've done recently about the economics of Off-Broadway and how hard it is to get a show, especially a musical mounted, it's interesting to talk to a brotherly pair of writers who managed to get a musical produced by paying the actors minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we, we get paid less than that. <laughs> the actors are making more than us. So, it, no, the play's actually, the, the musical's yeah. called Minimum Wage. Yeah. And, uh, um, and it's true when you said to get a musical mounted. Boy, is it hard to get a musical. I mean, it really is a tough thing. And we're fortunate in that we are all a cappella. So we don't have to pay a band because well, we are the band. We're a very scrappy little crew, all of the people involved in the show. Um, so we it's its kind of funny. The whole aesthetic of the show is uh, it's as if you go into this basement and these burger boys who have never seen the light of day or haven't seen it in a long time are conducting this funny seminar to train new recruits for this sort of big brother type burger chain. And um, it's funny because the whole aesthetic is one of like, it's as if they do everything. It's junky. You know, it's as if they run the projector. It's as if they run the lights and they run the sound and they turn on, you know, um, that's what it feels like. And the truth of the matter is. That's what it is. <laughs> you know? it's, it's, it's still, it's funny. We're actually off Broadway and we're so excited, but it's still very grassroots for us. You know, it's yeah. still very small and we're. And who is us? You know, you totally jumped the gun before I got a chance to introduce I, I, we're you. Just, before. We're running this. I'm sorry, Michael. Uh, I us, should let him talk. Us is, I'm Jeff LaGreca. And I am Charlie LaGreca. And I apologize, listeners. <laughs> we're excited to be here with Michael. Broadway and you. Broadway bullet. That was a ricochet sound. It was. <laughs> yeah, was so now, so like I said, it's all a cappella, no musicians. Mm. Did the musicians' union get on you? <laughs> Did they say you have to hire no, X no, number no, of musicians no. to sit no. in the pit and And pick I, I actually, I resent that, Michael. <laughs> um, because when you say there's no musicians, the truth of the matter is everybody in the show is a musician. Yeah. I mean, we are in essence, we make a joke about it of... We're a vocal band. We're not an a cappella group. We're a vocal band. And it's funny because I think that's silly. And uh, But it is true. You know, we have kind of – we have a dedicated drum section and a dedicated bass section. You know, we have a rhythm and 
a rhythm a section. rhythm section. Yeah, I, I so. actually I meant me just I was meaning I was just musician I mean, as a music as strictly <laughs> as a union terminology. Well, you know, kind of thing. They, but I have to say I've met a lot of singers who are not musicians. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not either, <laughs> including us. We're comedians, I think. So, what so, prompted you to to write minimum wage and and get going? The two of you wrote it together. Did we actually the 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 true story? This is true. We went out lie to you, Michael. Hmm. Um, is that we actually started as we're we're from the comedy world. We do a lot of improvisation and a lot of uh, sketch comedy. Um, both Charlie and I have studied with a number of different improv theaters around the town, like Gotham City Improv mm-hmm. and the Upright Citizens Brigade. But we uh, before that we also we entered a contest, and it was an acapella group contest, and we thought we were going to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> and be these cool singers in this contest. And we Whoever thought that a cappella was cool. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I know. And then we so That's we, like the dork stamp in I high know, school. I know it is. It's right. It is. It's true. It's like we're gonna form an a cappella group. Yeah, yeah. It's Man. Not, no way near as cool as being a musical. You theater. think punk is cool. Um, <laughs> so uh um but we uh we um so we entered this contest and we ended up coming up with like a sort of a comedy angle on it and created these characters. And then we just were making appearances as this group and just having fun. And we started doing comedy gigs and we started doing music gigs. So we, we toured around and did a lot of travel. And when he it, says group, he means the Burger Boys. Like we dressed up as the fast food workers. Yeah, they were, they and were then, characters. And we started hitting all these groups. And, and then the acapella world kind of found out about us. So we, we started doing all these acapella gigs and doing Carolines and stand-up New York and just doing anything we could do just for the heck of it, you know. And um, but what happened during the course of this is we started coming up with a lot of new material and writing a lot of stuff. And we started writing little interstitials in between songs that were like these little training video tidbits, you know, like, uh, where do you place the walk-in, you know, when you go into the walk-in freezer, what's the best, you know, trying to apply training videos to your life. It was silly. It was very silly. And... That we never pretend to be anything other than that. And what happened was we decided to start putting the, all these little sketches together into a more comprehensive uh, show, and we um, entered the Fringe Festival. Yeah, we entered the Fringe Festival and, and got in. Us. They took us. Yeah. And and then the Fringe Festival really led to a lot of wonderful things because uh, they well, then, gave us the Producers Circle Award, the first ever Producers Circle Award, and. From there, you know, we sold out all of our shows there, and then it, it, it kind of led us in a, a new path and direction. But it was five years since the Fringe that took us to get uh, yeah. off-Broadway backing and stuff like that. So it was yeah. it was kind of a long road. But um, And we still perform as an a cappella slash comedy group, too. Like, we still do private gigs and that kind of thing. But yeah. we've got the show right now. We're really concentrating on that, you know, and really excited about that. Yeah. You know? It's in the basement at 45 Bleecker Street, by the way, mm-hmm. at BurgerBoys.com. <laughs> Come, you'll have a blast. It's a very wacky evening. Well, I know you brought the whole cast here with you to yeah. perform in the studio a couple numbers. Uh, you want to do the first number here? Yeah, let's do the first number. So is there any setup we need with this? Um, this is the minimum wage theme song. And we wrote it with Sean Altman, and it's just kind of a fun... It's uh, kind of the introduction into your burger, the Happy Burger training manual. Happy Burger is this yeah. this big over Orwellian dystopian burger chain that, you know, wants to have a store in every corner on every, in every continent. Right? <laughs> That's yes. what I meant to say. Are you guys ready? <laughs> yeah, they're ready. <laughs> we can let him out, Michael. <laughs> okay, come on out. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and what better way to learn... 
then through the joy of the song. To be a burger boy, baby, there ain't nothing nicer. Where else can you train to be a pickle slicer? Or a burger girl working the high-tech griddle. You start at the bottom, work up to the middle. But one thing that you're gonna learn, tell them what they're gonna earn. Hey, hey, oh, minimum Your meals are discounted 2.2% free. You can minor in microbiology. You get to model super stylish attire. Makes me wanna shout, baby, like my fries. Minimum wage. We're dishing it out in one bite. Minimum wage. And happy burger. All right, and for our listeners, we also uh, should have our brand new player up by the time this interview goes up, our web player that you can find at broadwaybullet.com or at Broadway World, and it's going to have videos which we taped the performance of these live segments. Yeah, Yeah, us in in Hell Studios, hanging out and bopping around. Hell Studios. (laughs) Kind of a behind-the-scenes. That's a really cool thing, Michael. It's a neat addition to your, your site. How come it's named Hell Studios? Is it because it's unbelievably hot? That's a sided benefit. You know, it actually was because we're in Hell's Kitchen. Well, oh. the reality is my business partner is a hip-hop guy. And he just thought that having Hell Studios would be a great way for rappers to rhyme about their studio. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to fit your studio name into their, their lyrics. That's pretty cool. I it told was... clients that it was because we were in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the easy. That's Which a good one. close. We're in yeah. Times Square. Yeah, but... you are. Kind of. <laughs> Do they even call it Hell's Kitchen Which, anymore? And now most everybody's figured out it's because it gets warm in here if there's yeah, more than like four like, people. Oh, man. <laughs> And, you know, I don't even know that they call it Hell's Kitchen. We're in, like, the seventh layer of hell, I think. We're not... Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think it creates for a lot of exciting performances. And, I, and there's yeah. there's no question I get a good vibe when, with a lot of people who come in here and record. It sounds good and good energy. Oh, yeah, it's so cool. Right. I'm not going to fuck with what's working. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can drop the F-bomb on your show, huh? No yeah. FCC, baby. Come see our truck driving clock ticking show. Shuck mucker wucker. Come see a rucka ducka fucker. Jeff needs to learn some swear words. I, uh, I'm trying. I'm trying. Shinto sledding fletch belchers. <laughs> right, back up to minimum wage okay. here for a second. I'm curious to hear a little bit more about this five year trek. It's yeah. just like William Shatner to... in Star Trek, isn't it? <laughs> Five-year trek. <laughs> trek is the right word. Where no musical theater people have ever gone. <laughs> no, it, it, it was a trek, huh? <laughs> this is really much more entertaining. If you uh, yeah, exactly. It. You need to see it. This is what the webcam should have caught. Um, um, yes. No, no, no we, we... Don't talk at the same yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, we're, we're brothers. brothers. We're talking at the same time. <laughs> Zip it. So uh, okay. the path was interesting because, you know, we did, the, we did the French Festival and then we thought, oh, you know, we got this interest and we started doing a few producer uh, backing auditions and stuff. And that was a whole new 
level and excitement and nothing came of that. Nothing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> lots of people were like, oh, it's really kind of interesting or it absolutely People are weirded or, out. Honestly, people don't know what to They don't think. know what to think of our show. It's a lot a, of people. Because we, you know, uh, I know it's being billed as a musical, but mm-hmm. the fact is that we, like I said, it's, we don't, we, it's a comedy show with a lot of music. With fun in it. music. With that's live music, right? and done by us. And I think, like you said, people didn't know what to do with it, but the audiences, this is the reason we kept going for five years was because the audiences kept coming. We kept getting emails. We kept selling out shows when we do them. And that is what kept propelling us despite producers who were telling us, no, this we show. Don't know this, to, we don't know what to do with this show. We don't know what to do with, with, do with it. it. Yeah. I can't put money into this show. You know, it wasn't that they weren't mean or anything. They just were like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what it is. And um, so the Fringe, we were getting ready to kind of like, we were, you know, maybe this is it. Maybe we should stop doing it. And the Fringe contacted us again for their 10th anniversary. And they said, do you guys want to come back for our 10th anniversary? We're going to have a group for each year of the Fringe representing us at the 10th anniversary. And we were like, oh, that's cool. That so we said, 10. yeah. That would be 10, 10 groups. Yeah. And so we were asked back just last year. And um, we, we were like, yeah, was, that'll be know. a great way to go out. You know, we'll do the Fringe again one last time. No expectations. We didn't do big mailings this time or anything. And we got some amazing reviews. And that is what led to uh, an investor and coming some on board interest. and Aruba production We got saying, some interest. We're interested, and, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but in that time, we also went to the Montreal Fringe. We went to the Dallas, to the Water Tower Theater, which is a great theater in Dallas. And they brought us out there to do our show out there and just, a, you know, various other little things that kept us kind of going. Yeah. That yeah. was really exciting. And, it's and, like the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. How much of your current cast has been with the uh, production in the other incarnations? Um, well, Elena Melliner has been with us for three years. Bill Kalea has been with us for three years. Uh, Tony Dosett has been with us for two. So, um, and a lot of the stuff they actually... Well, uh, we actually... And so this is kind of like uh, O-Town and the boy band thing, except for they don't get paid much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, and we're exactly. not as lame. <laughs> and we don't have a big we're tour even, bus. We're even lamer. Mm-hmm. Um but we are an ensemble, and everyone actually has a lot of. We creative actually have input. other members of a, of the troupe too, who periodically come in and out. You know, we have other people who've done the show with us in the past. It's a hard show to learn because it's a lot of acapella. Well, it's it's very naked in that sense. And did you have to get a copyist to write out the beatbox parts? <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't. That would be interesting. The rhythm, trying to like copy those rhythms and stuff. Yeah, sometimes we really just let the individual apply their. Uh, we they're, record they're them. Magic to it. We record them, and so you kind of have. Um, and we have drum tracks recorded. Do a so you little bit of them. your beatboxing right now. What Michael Jackson song is this? Well, she looked more like. Okay, now we're gonna have to pay somebody. <laughs> yeah, right. Another Michael Jackson. Did we go past sixteen bars? So. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, and we work with Sean Altman from Rockapella, who wrote Carmen. Sa- Where in the world is Carmen yeah, San Diego? And yeah. he's he's incredible to work with, and his tunes that he writes with us are so catchy. I mean, they're just. I mean, all the reviewers. That's the things that they love are are the Sean Altman tunes, you know, because he's just he has this innate ability to write these great acapella songs, you know, that um, uh, get people bopping around and, and totally into the the music. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and he had a hit song. Vitamin C recorded one of his songs, but somebody else Happy recorded Happy Anniversary. Unhappy Anniversary. No, that one's the one. The hit one is Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Now, you seem puzzled that they're billing this as a musical. How many songs are there in the show? How there's, much music is there? I think there's 11. Ten, 11. There's 11, 11 songs. Okay. There's it's 11 like Spelling songs. Bee or something like that, so I guess. So it is, it is a musical. 
But we, we're not puzzled by it. We're... <laughs> you looked a little puzzled. When you yeah, we did, right? We're puzzled by a great many things. <laughs> um, but it's, I, I think the, the thing is that it's, like I said, the, the roots are in improv. So there's a very spontaneous element to the show. The show is no longer, it, a lot of it was created from that kind of improvisation, but um, it, it's a very spontaneous show. So sometimes we might go a little bit off the, the beaten path, which can be a lot of fun. Yeah, there's little um, moments throughout the show, tiny little moments that are spontaneous very, moments. Yeah. So a line can be adjusted each night different or whatever, you know, played with. So, But you still have the very crafted, or we're working to have the very crafted you know things throughout, so have those little pockets yeah. that are kind of it's, fun. And it's wild; it's meant to be wild and like a like a Marx Brothers, you know. Yeah, kind like, of. Uh, conti- I guess you know, kind of like that, and that there's this freneticism to it. Um, the theater is BYOB too, by the yeah. way. Yeah, we have a BYOB. You theater. can have booze, dude. You can have booze. Holy cow! So People- you can bring your booze to our theater. Seriously, you can bring wine. You can bring beer. You know, um, you can bring wine and beer. That wine should be beer. the ad. <laughs> I know it should be the ad, right? You know what? Our next ad, we're gonna say that. <laughs> Drink beer. Own. Oh yeah, there's a show it's too. BYOB. Oh yeah, it's at this show. But go to this theater because it's BYOB. <laughs> but it is kind of fun, you know, because we do have people. Forty five Bleecker Street. Forty five Bleecker Street at Lafayette. The basement. And uh, it's neat. You do have people who pop up their bottle of wine. You know, pop it open. Burgerboys.com. <laughs> burgerboys.com and you may even get fed if you come to our show that's okay. true we got another performance here you're going to do another yes. song for us uh, any setup needed for this one this is uh, one of the characters Bradbury he's the griddle intermediary he has and unusual he has a tough time relating to people but he tends to relate to inanimate objects in a little bit of a better way so yeah that's kind of the all the setup you should need. we get the cast from the box again yeah Okay, come on out again, guys. It's clear. (laughs) All right. This is a story of a boy and a grill. Two, three, four. Na, 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 Hotter than hell. The first time I saw you, baby, much my surprise. The glare from your body, baby, burn out in my eyes. I never need to touch you, but much my chagrin. The heat from your infernal game and blisters on my skin. Cheek, hot eyes of Lil, never met a grill like you. Cheek, hot eyes of Lil, your hot, hot, hot. I'm talking hotter than hell, hotter than hell. The second time I saw you, I knew that I'd be back to pluck you and untwist your knobs and calibrate your rack. I got so damn excited, my spatula did flip. I melted down to kiss you and burned up both my lips. You got a lawyer? Cheap hot eyes of Lil, never met a real like you. Cheap hot eyes of Lil, you're hot, hot, hot. I'm talking hotter than hell. Harder than hell. Break it down. Your chassis is so classy. Your burn is so mean. Your finish is so brassy. Wanna lick your drip drape? Oh, you again? Na 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 na
tell you how you're burning me. me. Got the aloe vera and the vitamin E. e. Oh, you're cooking so hot, I caught the aroma. aroma. But if I get closer, I'll catch melanoma. Saharanoma, Javi, Javanobi, too. They all ice cold. Compared to you, oh, I gave you my meat. You gave me a thrill. You go grill. You go grill. You got real power and you're hotter than hell. Harder than hell. Harder than hell. Okay, so before we wrap this up, I have to ask two of you: Have yes. you worked for a fast food joint? Yes, he oh. has. Oh yeah, <laughs> many times. He worked for Jim Dandy's Fried Chicken. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, thanks, Charlie. Thanks for outing me. <laughs> Hey, I, um, I actually worked for McDonald's did you? two years out of high I worked, school. Wow. My first job was McD's, um, which is not unlike the burger joint in our show. Don't say that. But, um, <laughs> you know, we're in my hometown. You know, it's like, it's like a, you know, a good job. People, like, stay there forever to try to become managers. So I'm there in my summer after wow. high school. And then yeah. I was in Seattle briefly for, like, three months right, out of, right after that. And I was at McDonald's for two weeks. And they're like, okay, we want you to become a manager. Wow. Really? <laughs> they were, they Whereas were, in your hometown, people worked for years. Years, oh. hoping to be a manager. And I'm like, going, whoa. I, I worked at McDonald's. It was my initiation into adulthood. <laughs> I worked at McDonald's for one day. And it was one of those things of like, I. it was like this jarring thing, you know, oh, creative little boy, you know. But it was like, I got there. They didn't even bother to like try to give me a shirt that fit me. And I'm not a big guy, but they gave me a, like a giganto-sized shirt. And pants. And pants. And I'm just, I'm wearing a tent. <laughs> and I'm like five, five foot at the time. Because now I'm a strapping five foot three, but <laughs> but then but well, that's when you're standing on the box. Though, right? <laughs> I take this box with me everywhere. You just outed him, Michael. <laughs> oh, you outed me again. Um, but um, yeah, so it was it was the weirdest thing. And for a kid going into high school, it was like you know, it was just it was crazy. But I didn't it didn't last there. I went to the greener pastures of Jim Dandy fried chicken. <laughs> mm. But the, you know the point. The one thing. About that is though, it's funny. We laugh at that, and our our take on the show is that, you know, this is like this group that wants to sing at this acapella contest and hasn't been out of this training basement. By the way, there really is a a university. Hey, that's the, that's yeah, why I tightened the ad to the hamburgerology because yeah. I was going to have to go to the hamburgerology. Yeah. Wow, college, so. we're based kind of on that, and so the idea is the original. <laughs> that's cool. Like that university now is like a. $40 million university, and it's all about management and franchising. But originally, originally, it took place in the basement of a Mickey D's, and it was like 15 guys in the graduating class, and they just, they did like these training sessions on cardboard grills and stuff, you know, so That's we're kind of taking that take on it. It's a much crazier take. Yeah. Um, but And we Outlandish. don't really make fun of minimum wage workers in the sense that, you know, no. we actually have a really... Proud. Nice place in our heart for They're them. Proud, you know. And they try and do a good job, and you know, so. Yeah, but. And the um, the reaction from audiences has been really wonderful because we've learned that 
we were used to really young audiences, and we've learned that the young audiences really get it. But then we were worried about the older people, and they, a lot of them are really loving it as well, um, which yeah. is cool. Because, like, last week we had this 75-year-old woman who came out of the theater saying, she stopped me. She said, I have to tell you, I was exhausted when I came to see your show. You know, she was leaving the theater, and I said, oh, no, are you still exhausted? And she said, no, I'm exhilarated, and I'm ready to go, and I just love your show. So it's been a really cool thing to have a different, diverse yeah. crowd come see our show. Yeah, yeah. We had some people who... They were going to play golf the next day, and we give out these paper hats to people. You know, they're really fun. It's like your training hat, and uh, and um, they were le- they told us we're gonna we're wearing, we're wearing these our on hats the on the course, course tomorrow. The like fifty year old people, they're like we're all wearing them tomorrow. And we we're like that's so, so cool. So we do get a, a wide range. We honestly we feel like the twenty to thirty five year olds are gonna get all the geek references because we're comic book geeks, you know, and and so that's kind of our target audience, but. You, you just never know. You just yeah. never know, right? Um, yeah, but there's lots of music. So if you like music, you'll like it's it. It's fun, yeah. Okay, so as we wrap up, I know you guys are doing actually a discount offer yes, uh, with we Broadway are. Bullet. How, oh, how much are your tickets normally? $45, so, not including the charges or whatever. So and Broadway yeah, Bullet is, listeners get 25 correct? Right. 25 yeah, $25 yeah. tickets. So um, just go to broadwayoffers.com and type in M-W-E-B-L-S-T, right? Yep. And um, yeah, twenty five dollar tickets. So M W absolutely, we'd love to to see you. M W E B L S T at broadwayoffers dot com and Broadway Bullet B B and B Y O B. We also might That's be doing a, a giveaway of a couple tickets. Yeah, do you want to do that? Let's do that. Yeah, like how do, do we that. do it? Uh, well, what we do is we do this through sneaky emails. Our listeners oh. have to be signed up to get Aha. a notice of how they're going to win. <laughs> awesome. And um, a couple haven't gotten the things. We're getting a new mailing system. So okay. I want to tell people that we w- so we will do this very soon, as soon as we got the, the mailing list thing fixed. Okay, great. Um, so that means We're get to totally the site, sign up, get, you know, become a registered you know, user of Broadway, Broadway Bullet so you can get the contest emails. And get two free tickets to come see our show. And, um, it's like a hundred dollar value. <laughs> it is, and you get fed, and, and you, you bring your own beer. Uh, Charlie Lagreca and Jeff Lagreca, uh, thank you so much for coming down and chatting Thanks, about Michael. the show. Michael, thanks, you're great. A lot of fun. Broadway you have a great Bullet, show. Broadway Bullet. Thanks, guys. The call board. The Leslie Lohman Gallery will host an invitation-only preview launch of the new exhibit, Stage Struck, The Magic of Theater Design, on November 13th. The following night, November 14th, from 6 to 8 p.m., an open-to-the-public event will be held at the gallery to commemorate the new exhibition, which includes sketches, scale models, costumes, and makeup designs from some of the most prolific designers in theater. Okay, and also, for all of you Broadway Bullet fans who uh, have a little bit of video capability and like YouTubing or whatnot, we're having a special video contest uh, to let people know how to use our new player. Here's the deal. Uh, Make a short video explaining how to use our new player and the features on it. Uh, You can send this video directly to broadwayfaq.com. And uh, they'll get posted in the player. You'll see it so everybody can see everybody's submissions. But here's the thing. What we determine to be the most creative and the most useful in letting people know all the capabilities and how to use this new player will feature this as the default video that shows up, which will put your mug in front of thousands of theater fans. So it's, uh, it's a way to get seen. It's a way to have a little bit of fun, show your support for Broadway Bullet, and we'll put your face up there for everybody to see. It'll be a lot of fun and a great way to kind of kick off letting people know how to use this new player. Again, submit your videos to broadwayfaq.com. 
If you forget that, just look at our new player. And in the exclusives channel, there is a show right for the contest telling you how to do it. Okay, also, um, I recently composed a song for the new play Arpeggio by David Stallings. Uh, wasn't able to get somebody in here for an interview, kind of messed up on coordinating the dates. But I did want to say, I did see the show, and you know what? It's actually a pretty good show. It deals with celebrity and musicians and America's obsessions, and there's kind of a mystery worked in. And I have to say, I, I kind of enjoyed the show. It, it definitely... Uh, was worthwhile. So you can find out more about that show at www.mtworks.org. It's playing through November 18th at the West 45th Street Theater. Um, if you're curious, I inaugurated the New Works channel on the player by uploading the song that I composed for that thing. Actually, I did the music. Uh, the playwright uh, did the lyrics and gave them to me, and I, I worked out a Britney Spears-ish type song uh, for the pop singer in the show. So yeah, check it out. See what you think. And writers, submit your own works to the New Works channel. Uh, also, um, on a downside, Marty Cooper, host of On the Positive Side, had an accident, uh, really hurt his leg. He's um, he's okay, but he's house-ridden and home-ridden for a month or so, so he won't be able to come in and he won't be able to go to work and all that. Um, so... Hope he gets better soon. If you'd like to wish him well, you can send an email to broadwaymarty at aol.com. I'm sure right about now he could use the pick-me-up. He's given us so many uh, warm feelings. Maybe hit him back with a little bit of love at broadwaymarty at aol.com. And finally, a couple weeks back, I asked people who, if you were getting our emails for our contest, and I got a lot back saying that that indeed they weren't getting it. So it's clear that something's wrong, because I'm sure that everybody who hasn't been getting them didn't take the time to email me either. So I am signing up for a new service. Uh, we'll be sending out uh, an email uh, sometime next week, and it's going to have a lot of contests in it, including a big one that was almost ready to be announced for the show. I wish I could announce it. It's going to be a big, big, cool contest to win tickets to a very, very hard-to-get-into show in New York. It's going to be very cool. You're going to get to meet the person, I think. Uh, like I said, I don't want to spoil too much because uh, it hasn't been finalized, but it should be locked up soon. And that will be announced in that newsletter. We'll probably have a couple other giveaways to shows and stuff. So sign up for the website. Um, in addition, besides the contest we got going on, you guarantee you will get, get the emails now. Um, everybody who becomes a registered user at BroadwayBullet.com and signs up is going to get a free digital CD uh, Come December 18th, we're going to release the best in-studio live performances from Broadway Bullet. Not embedded with the shows anymore. No chatting over the beginning and the end. You'll get to hear some of the best studio performances digitally as an album. And you'll, you'll get that free if you're signed up by December 18th. So tell all your friends. Is that enough going on? <laughs> well, if that isn't enough, I'd just like to finally add that uh, this is sponsored by me. I have a recording studio here in Times Square. You can find out more by info uh, by sending me an email at info at broadwaybullet.com or you can give me a buzz at 646-345-3433. I record all kinds of stuff, not just musical theater, um, but pop, rock, R&B. Uh, my rates are reasonable. I'm convenient to get to. And um, yeah, if you got, you got a project or if you got a friend got a project, yeah, just give me a buzz, give me an email, and uh, we can find out if we can work with you. All right. Well, let's get back into the program. On the boards. When putting on a musical, it is important to make sure the show rhymes. 
And our next guest to figure that out entitled their show appropriately, Mel and L, This Show Rhymes, currently playing at the Duplex. And we have got Melanie Adelman and Ellie Dvorkin. Hello! You're close. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did I mess that up? What is um, it? Melanie Adelman. And Ellie Dvorkin. Uh, okay. They're Her. doozies. Yeah. yeah. We're, We're going to have to work on names. that. <laughs> Babe, if you're going to put your name up in lights, we better be able to pronounce it. Yeah. It's not going to work. So, tell us a little bit about this show, which, uh, despite the fact that it's playing cabaret style, I've been told is not a cabaret. It's disguised as a cabaret. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a fantastic theatrical event in cabaret clothing, and um, it's like a two-woman mini-musical fabulousness. Experience. Experience. <laughs> and um, it's, uh, it's just a lot of fun. Lots of silly, crazy songs that we wrote and us and a bunch of really talented, wonderful friends uh, composed. And uh, We originally thought we were just going to try out these songs in front of an audience, and it turned into a musical with a little bit of an arc and an emotional journey. Yeah, that you is might actually feel like you went somewhere at the end of it. Accidentally. Yeah. You didn't even mean to go somewhere. And but you, you did. Somewhere. Yeah. All right, so what was the process then in, in putting the show together and, and bringing it to the duplex? Well, um, we started at the very beginning. The very beginning, we both were working in office jobs in the industry. That we loved. That we loved. Boy, did we love them. Um, and Do you have any blind items to spill? Any dirt? Oh, <laughs> get us a little drunker and maybe we will. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, we both started, we, we did a lot of emailing and instant messaging back and forth mm -hmm. to entertain ourselves and each other. And in those instant messages and emails came material. Little, little, little poems, little poems that we sort of realized could develop into songs. And so we sort of expanded the poems um, into verses and choruses and bridges. And then we had some friends put music to a couple of them and we thought, oh, it's a show. It's, it's a, it, this could be a little bit of a thing. So then we met with a director to try to string it together with some banter, and it became, like like I said before, actually a show with a little bit of a journey, and um, it's really fun. And, and, really, yeah. and I should mention that we've actually known each other for 20 years. Yes. We, we, are, we are actual best friends. We are not playing. Are you real friends. BFFs? We are yeah. BFFs. <laughs> but not in the cheesy way. No. Not no. in a way that would make you hate us. No. And I should also say, if we're going to talk about the process, we, we've known each other for 20 years, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and age us and say that's been since we were 11. And we have been performers that entire time, so we used to play together a lot. And a lot of the material that we created when we were 11 is in, in the, the show. show. Which is kind of horrifying in yeah. some way that we've been workshopping. Are you the trying show to get people long? to come to the show? <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, we were brilliant, hilarious geniuses when we were 11, and, and we've been we, developing this. That's right. We've been workshopping it for 20 years. <laughs> if so we were clean. funny then, think how funny we are now. Yeah, it's a long so it's road stuff. to get that show mount to get the backing. It is, and we've always <laughs> wanted to do something together, and we sort of had different incarnations of that over the years, and this kind of came up as a surprise. So it was very cool. So what are some of the songs dealing with? I, I understand there's some oh. interesting ones. There's a song called Fagnet. Um, you know, for years, we, we both went to performing arts college, and uh, as women are wont to do in the theater world, Connected. befriended many gay men. Gay. And gay we, men. neither one of us liked the term fag hag. We no. thought it was very negative. No, we felt like we were the, sort of at the center of, of the love. Right, like we, we had, we, we were magnetic and all of the different gay men were just drawn to us. Correct. So we 
came up, well, we thought we invented this term. Wait, I don't know if we did, but, but, we, but we wrote we the song first. We wrote the song, Fagnet, about how we are fag magnets. Exactly. And um, it's, a, it's a super dance hit. Yeah, it's a super <laughs> club track. Look for it in your local splash. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, you actually brought the track with you we here did. for that. Do you want to play that now? Sure, sure. sure. Take a listen. It, you all know what a fag hag is, but if you don't, I'll teach you. It's when you're a girl who needs the love of a gay man to complete you. Now, I am not a fag hag, but I went to school for acting, and that is when I noticed all the queers I was attracting. Jason called me fabulous. Chad thought my hair was swell. Patrick loved my wardrobe. He said, bitch, you wear it well. Whenever I was in a play, they all would come to see me, and I overheard them talking about how they'd like to be me. I began to get suspicious. Was I giving off a scent? Or did I make a grave mistake when I hummed the tunes from Rent? I realized that my life would be far worse without these gays. But since I'm not a fag hag, I'd like to coin a phrase. Fagnet. 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 I'm a fagnet. I'm a fagnet. That's F-A-G plus magnet. I'm a fagnet. There's a forest field around me And the homos feel the pull But I realize without these guys My life would not be full I am a fagnet My first real date was Marlon I met him at a party I couldn't tell at first that he was ever slightly tardy But at his house his mom made he and I sing songs from Phantom And though he loved me there would be no kiss with which to plant him Since then I've been to gay clubs, Indiana to Manhattan And even though for different teams we'd know that we were batting They put me on a platform, dance around me, what a scene I found out later on that they had thought I was a drag queen But I'm not I'm a fagnet A fagnet G plus magnet, I'm a fagnet. There's a forest field all around me, and the homos feel the pull. But I realize without these guys, my life would not be full. I am a fagnet. Two, four, six, eight. He is gay and I am straight. Say it once, say it loud. I'm a fagnet and I'm proud. My mother was a hairdresser who worked with men a lot. They called her Ginger because she had red hair and she was hot. At night they would have parties, drinking wine and watching Dragnet. I think it is genetic. Yes, my mother was a fagnet. She's a fagnet. 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 G-A-Y plus S-H-E makes fagnet. 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 Your mom's a fagnet. F-A-G-N-E-T. I love the gays and the gays love me. Madonna and Manelli and Bette Midler and Minogue Showed us how to be divine and taught us how to vogue Diana Ross and Donna Summer, even little Eva Said come on do the locomotion, honey be a diva Judy Garland, Barbara Streisand, Debbie Reynolds, Cher Are more examples of women who have that special flair The Marys and the Nellies are quite drawn to them you see And we are honored to be in their special company Cause we are fagnets, fagnets. A G plus magnet that makes fagnet. Fagnet. She's a fagnet. Fagnet. And as a sort of sidebar, I should mention I've a knack for attracting girls who think they might be gay into the sack. I don't mind helping out while they explore their loves and likes. But now I'm being followed down the road by fags and dykes. Fagnet. Fagnet. We are fagnet. Fagnet. That's F A G plus magnet.
stagnant, we are stagnant, stagnant, stagnant. There's a forest field around me, and the whole mouse feel the pull. But I realize without these guys, my life would not be full. I am fat. All right, so is the, is the whole show a techno extravaganza? Not at all. No, Fagnet is sort of a, a special moment in the show. But um, other than that, everything is done with the piano. And, oh, uh, and piano. The songs are oh, God, that's so old-fashioned. I know, <laughs> I know. 88 keys and a accompanist. Um, some of the other songs which have more of a musical theater feel are... Get Out. Get Out. Certainly. Which is about... We, we both went through... <laughs> what did we say? We both went through sort of a promiscuous phase. Yeah. In which we weren't so much looking for the love. No, you, we just wanted to have all of the sex. And none of the emotions. And none of the cuddle. Which many people think is... Um, Whorish. Perhaps. <laughs> so we wrote this song about how you can go ahead and come into our rooms and come into our beds and have all of the sex with us, but then you can go right ahead and get out. Yeah, and of course, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say, this is that's... not the part that came when you were 11, right? No. No. <laughs> that was 13 to 14. Yeah. Absolutely. See, we, we have evolved. Yeah. Um, and there's a song called Nice Jewish Boys. That's right, which is about Also the, on the dating tip. Right. It's about the, um, the experience of being on J-Date. Which is an internet dating site for Jews seeking Jews. I've heard about this. Yeah, it's very popular. Yes, yes. You know, I have the. Um, well, I won't call her a typical Jewish mother because she's from London, so she's British and therefore an atypical <laughs> Jew. But she's typical in that she wants me to hurry up and get married to a nice Rich. Jewish boy. So I wrote this song called "Nice Jewish Boys" about how my mother pushed me into going on to J date, and then all of the bizarre experiences with all of the men and how there really isn't such a thing as a nice Jewish boy. They're not so nice. Not always. Always. <laughs> Sometimes they're freaky like that. Well, yeah. that's just because it's internet dating. <laughs> You're right. Have you, you internet you, dated? You, you no, I haven't. Oh. I think everyone should do it just as an experience. Absolutely. It's great. It's like just looking through a yearbook and picking people and then uh, having a sort of pseudo experience with them on the phone or through email and then meeting them and having a completely different experience. Because they're nothing like you thought they would be. I had ever. a friend who actually uh, met his, his now girlfriend of like five years on internet dating and wow. his, his profile was completely like, I'm selfish in bed. I like don't bathe. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, like, completely wrote himself down, and he got, like, tons of calls, I guess. Women love that. People Slim pickings. Women love it. <laughs> Suckers. But it's true. It's all about presenting yourself in the way that you think you want to be perceived to get the most dates. And it's then like it's marketing. Just, it's like you're, you're framing yourself. It's like job interviews. Yeah. You go on job. I, I had a friend who got so tired of wasting the makeup and the hair for, like, one four-hour bad date that she would line up four dates a she day stacked. at different Starbucks in the neighborhood, so she she would just make twenty minute coffee dates. Go to one, tell him okay she had to run, she had a meeting. Go to another one, and really bang out four, and hope that she came out with one yeah. decent one at the end of the night. Yeah. Symbolically, yeah, bang out four. Bang symbolically, <laughs> she didn't literally Not bang four. Well, she may have. That's <laughs> a whole different story. I'll the, call her the one afternoon four times a day stand. Oh, totally a four stand. <laughs> you got to come up with a song for that. Yes, it's called Four Stand, and we'll be <laughs> premiering it at our next show at the Duplex. Bang, 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 bang. Bang, bang, bang. It's a four stand. <laughs> That's how it goes. 
What are some of the other songs we should talk oh, about? Um, there's a song called Roommates, which is sort of about um, that uh, fascinating. Roommates? It is about, about roommates. Okay, wow, wow. Yeah, you're that. so perceptive, <laughs> smarty thinker. Um, and uh, it's about that thing of being in New York and being a grown-up and yet living with people as if you're you know, 19 years old and um, all of the wonderful things that happen in your home when you do that. And, like, how do you negotiate that with people and, you know, being, like, 30 and asking people to pick their panties up off the floor, you know? You know, more than that, I, it's the people who come to New York or live in New York that are, like, the, the thing that blow my mind is the people, especially people who want to do arts and are, are, can be expected to earn damn near zero money, who are like, I want, you know, a two-bedroom apartment to myself and... Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've never had that. It's not no. going to happen. It sounds wonderful. It Maybe does. if you move to the, I know, the North Bronx. I know a lot of, like, very, very, like, greedy <laughs> young people who move here out of college. Uh, you really need to get new friends. Yeah. These are terrible. <laughs> when greedy I first people. moved here out of college, I may have wanted to be greedy, but I did not have that opportunity. I lived, it was me and three guys in a two-bedroom apartment with one bathroom. We paid, I think, nine fifty total. Split between us was two thirty seven fifty. That's the way to do it. That's the way to See, do I, it. I'm gonna go to the arts. I just that's is that is the way to do it. You're I, never home in New York anyway. No. I went the other way, and I, I decided that I had to live in Midtown Manhattan. So I got an apartment on 45th and 8th with my gay best friend. Stop. And And we... <laughs> I'm a greedy, horrible person. And uh, we moved into this tiny little one-bedroom that was really just a room with a wall in between it. I mean, it wasn't really a one-bedroom. And uh, he slept on the couch, and I slept in the other room, and also one tiny little bathroom. And Well, you guys were drunk all the time, so that's why you didn't notice that it wasn't ideal. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. Uh, okay. But I was. Drunk all the time. Yeah. It's true. So you, you said you both work inside the industry. Yes. Yeah. You care to say who you work for? I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I, I work for two Broadway producers. They are both Tony Award winning producers, and they probably prefer to remain anonymous. Very you know what? Only unless their names above. When Melanel the show rhymes is a huge hit, they'll be thrilled to be named. But right now, no, they don't even know I'm here. It's true. I'm supposed to be at work right now. <laughs> and they're helpless because they can't get anything done without you there. Um, I, what I will say, what I will say, and you can infer what you want. From right this. now, the phone's ringing, and they're going, "What do it's I do?" It's true. It's true. <laughs> Actually, right now they're with a show that's in its on its out of town tryout. So they're out of town in a different time zone, so they're probably still sleeping. So it's all working it's out all great. Good. <laughs> they won't know until they hear it in a couple of weeks. Exactly. Yay. And I also work for a producer, um, not a Broadway producer. I work for someone who is um, in the midst of producing a new musical. So, um, yeah. Is it of the wah, 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 wah variety? Um, <laughs> you mean pornography? <laughs> <laughs> Are you asking about the porn? No, yeah, you said um, it wasn't a music. It's, it's, it's a no. porn producer that you work for. Um, no, no, but I might want to. Um, <laughs> Put out the job. Yeah. Craigslist. Totally. I actually lived in a building once where they shot porn on the, on the roof. Um, they did. Oh, yeah. Did they invite yeah. the building up or something? Oh, yeah, it was just like a fabulous, a fabulous roof, and, and they would do the porn up there. Because so. porn outside is hotter. Yeah. It's wetter. Oh. Talk about something else. Talk to subject. <laughs> it's terrible. We've got another song now coming up for your show. <laughs> oh. We've got Bang, 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 and, and Hotter, hotter wetter. wetter. Yeah. It's a different it's, kind it's of show. It's called Melanel Inappropriate and Not Interesting. <laughs>
Um, so what? What? Our bosses, is that what we were talking about? I think so. Our jobs. You know, so we both work inside the theater industry, and we both see lots and lots of stuff. And what we've learned is that what sometimes... Well, what I've learned, I don't know what you've learned, but what I've learned is that things can have a really great big budget and all the bells and whistles that you'd ever want and still kind of miss the mark. And, um, and what, what shows would that be? Oh, I, 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 well, uh, <laughs> I think the more money you throw you at something just inherently makes... You're right, absolutely. Well, that's how we feel about our show, anyway. Show yeah, yeah. So if you'd like to throw money at our show, <laughs> yeah, we'll throw it. be better. We'll catch it. But, um... You know, our show is right now this small little thing, but people who have come, some people who have come to see it have said that they've enjoyed it more than some Broadway shows that they've seen lately. It's better than Cats. <laughs> but no, that are you going to do the commercial, the Better Than Cats commercial? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved it. It was <laughs> better, better than, than cats. cats. I laughed. I cried. <laughs> better than Cats. Yeah, but it's great. And we have people that have come back three and four times, which is Weird almost borderline us. scary, but um, and, also and really wonderful. And it's still half price of seeing Young Frankenstein. Exactly. It's, it might be even <laughs> a, a 25%. It's a fraction. It's basically, you know, Young Frankenstein charges that theater re- restoration fee? Yeah. That's, that's how much our show costs. That's the whole ticket. That's the whole ticket. You can restore our entire lives for what it costs <laughs> you to see. Um but, yeah, so anyway, people have come back, and they – we keep saying to them, you know, we, we don't have any new material just yet. Are you sure you want to come back? But they keep coming back and bringing people. And the really fun thing is when we first – People keep coming back to rent hoping for the new material. See? It's never going to happen. They did a new rent in uh, London. They're doing it right now. Did you read about that? No, I didn't. It's no, called it's all... Rent Remixed. And it's all current and, and – Sexy and different. It wasn't current when it opened in 93. It's a period piece. <laughs> it's a period I mean, I like the music, but they built it as this current rock musical, and I got the CD and go, oh, this is so 82. Totally. <laughs> totally. It's a really good point. I guess our show is kind of 82 in some kind of ways. Because? In, that's when we were growing up. Yeah. You know? But, um, but, oh, you were just saying something that I was... I totally forget. I was talking about how How? when we created the show, we would have thought that it would have been gay men and theatery women. Girls, girlfriends, you know. But it turned out not to be that way at all. Um, We have groups of very straight couples who come where the man likes it just as much as the woman. And then we have groups of older women who come. Moms and their sets of friends. And then, of course, you know, the typical theater queens also. I think there's a little something for everybody in it, is what I think. And that's such a general blah thing to say. Isn't it, it has universal there's themes. There's something for everybody. There are universal themes. But it's really just really true. Yeah. It's just about friendship and, and stuff, but again, not in a way that would make you want to puke on your shoes. No, more in a way that makes you pee on your shoes, laughing. In, in a good way. All right. Well, the show, again, is called Mel and L. This show rhymes... And uh, do you want to tell us about the dates you get coming up? Sure. We have um, a date at the Duplex coming up November 28th. Which is a Wednesday. Wednesday night at 9.30. And then we have December 21st, which is a Friday night at, at 9.30. 9.30 as well. And we're also in the process of developing the show with Ars Nova. Which is an so, amazing space. Amazing space and an amazing company. So look for us there in the future. All right. Well, Melanie Edelman and Ellie Dvorkin. Beautiful! Yes, right, got it. <laughs> we all learned something. <laughs> Thank you for coming by and, and sharing your stories and wish you the best of luck. And uh, I hope uh, that the show continues to rhyme. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> On the boards. The screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis have proved to be an enduring and uh, 
piece of fiction for a lot of reasons. Uh, I think a lot of conspiracy theorists are, are into this. <laughs> it also was the subject of a one-man show that was a hit off-off-Broadway and uh, ran for 11 weeks, mm-hmm. and it is coming back to off-Broadway, moving up a peg, and we have got Max McLean That's right. here with us, who is the one person from yeah. that show. Well, actually, it's a two-person show. But uh, as my daughter says, I've been doing one-man shows for a long, long time all over the country. But this time, we're having a two-person show. But as my daughter says, I don't let the other person talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but uh, it is a two-person show. It's uh, screw tape, uh, the screw tape letters, and he dictates to his, uh, his fiendish uh, secretary, played by uh, Karen Eleanor White, played brilliantly by Karen Eleanor White, uh, in the role of Toad Pipe. All right, and you've got such a great voice. Now I'm going to have to feel self-conscious and 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 talk deeper. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we can do that. We're I can gonna, talk. We're going to have to have a radio voice competition. <laughs> well, or I could I could maybe raise my voice a little bit higher if you'd like. <laughs> so, uh, what was the process? Uh, what's your history been with this? Well, it's a that's a good question. Uh, the 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 C.S. Lewis estate. Uh, we had to get the rights to do it uh, to 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 to. Uh, uh, make a stage adaptation from the family, and and uh, and that is not an, an easy process. And and Jeffrey Fisk, uh, estates are never easy to deal with. People are, <laughs> yeah, estates. People, are. That's that's true. The people that manage the estate, uh, uh, after a, after a several backs and back and forth uh, of many months of that, finally gave us the uh, rights to to do a an off off Broadway production, and we started working on the script in two thousand five. Uh, uh, we got a first draft done in the summer of '05, uh, and did multiple, multiple, multiple drafts. And then we did uh, uh, an off-off Broadway production that was only scheduled to run for three weeks. It ran on uh, uh, on West Forty Seventh Street. Off, was, off, off! Did you give three yeah. offs there? there that's really that's Grandma's Kitchen, right? Yeah, there was there was two. <laughs> actually, it was a hundred seat theater, okay. and it's actually a nice little theater. Really was it's uh, Theater Three Fifteen, and. Uh, we ran. We were only going to run for sixteen shows, and we, as soon as we announced it, uh, we sold out those sixteen shows almost within oh, several weeks. And so we ex- we extended four different times, and then of course the, somebody else was coming in, so we had to pull out. Uh, but we realized that we uh, the show uh, certainly could find an audience. But uh, we knew that th- there was so much more we could do with the script. So we went back into. Uh, uh, the, into the sort of the uh, the writing process, we edited down from a two hour production into a ninety minute production. We've certainly clarified the story within the screw tape letters. It's an epistolary uh, novel, I mean a novel told by letters. And uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, w- uh, got a very strong design team. Uh, hired Karen to play Toadpipe. And we've started running uh, at uh, Theater St. Clement's, uh, started previews October 18th, and the show has been going extremely well, and audiences have been coming uh, more than before. It's been, it's been a, a lot of fun. You know, we really probably should bring up uh, the whole concept, because I'm sure there's a few listeners, you know, scratching their head going, oh, what the hell are the screw tape letters? So... Uh what the hell are the screw tape letters? Well, it's about <laughs> hell. Yeah, it's uh, it's 
uh, C.S. Lewis was uh, was very interested in in storytelling and and he was very interested in Christianity and he tried to put the two together in 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 a way of dealing with the concept of uh, spiritual warfare, but from a demon's perspective. So this particular demon, uh, Screwtape, is a lead demon in hell. And he is uh, writing letters to his nephew demon, Wormwood, about a new patient that uh, Wormwood has just been given. And his, uh, and his task is to bring him to our father below. That's the big man. And, uh, and so through a series of letters, starting very, very simply, do this, uh, do that, uh, to uh, where it's obvious that uh, this person's not going to be an easy mark, Screwtape takes on uh, uh, make, uh, far more uh, uh, different tactics to uh, bring him uh, to hell. And that's the plot of the story, is how to bring uh, an unwitting soul down to our father below. So I understand you're going to uh, perform a short monologue from, from yeah. the show here briefly. Do you want to set this up? What you're about? To- well, yes. This is uh, this is fairly late in the in the text where um, the the patient is actually moving along quite nicely from uh, actually quite badly because the whole everything is inverted in the screw tape letters it's a in a, it's topsy turvy that god is the enemy uh, our father below is uh, the devil uh, and so things are going not so well for screw tape and so he decides that he needs to uh, attach him to what he calls a desirable young woman and uh and to him, uh, this is where people don't look so much at the character of the person, but the outward appearance of the person. And so he describes what uh, what the uh, lower archy has been doing over the years, over the millennium, to uh, encourage men to look for women that are really not right for them. All right. So you ready? Yes. You need to do any, like, warm ups but gotta but gotta I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My dear Wormwood, I have yet to get a report on young women in the neighborhood. I should like it at once. We must use it to promote a desirable marriage. In the meantime, let me describe to you the type of woman. I mean the physical type he should be encouraged to fall in love with. Now, uh, this question has been answered for us by spirits far deeper down the lower archy than you and I. It is the business of these great masters to produce in every age a misdirection in what may be called sexual taste. This they do by working through the small circle of popular artists, designers, and actresses who determine the fashionable type. The aim is to guide your patient away from those with whom spiritually helpful, happy, and fertile marriages are most likely. At one time, we directed the male taste to the statuesque and aristocratic beauty, mixing men's vanity with their desires. At another, we selected an exaggeratedly feminine type, faint, languishing, so that folly, cowardice, and general falseness were at premium. At present, we're on the opposite tact. 
we now teach men to like women whose bodies are scarcely distinguishable from those of boys. This type of beauty is more transitory than most, aggravating the female's chronic horror of growing old, <laughs> with many excellent results. We have also engineered a great increase in the exhibition of the nude. Oh, it's all fake, of course. The figures are falsely drawn, made to appear firmer and more slender than a full-grown woman has a right to be. Real women, they're all pinched in and propped up. As a result, we have directed the desires of men to something that does not exist. And at the same time, making demands on the female more and more impossible. Your affectionate uncle, Screw-Tape. So I, I take it you've been a big part of getting, you know, you are dealt with the estate. And, yeah. I mean, so this isn't just you as an actor. You are... No, I've actually, I'm actually produced it, uh, and then my colleague, Jeff Fisk, uh, who we both wrote the adaptation, and uh, Jeff directed it. Uh, we've hired a great uh, design team, Cameron Anderson doing the sets, Bart Fassbender, sound, uh, Tyler Michelow, lights, uh, uh, Michael Bevan's costume. It's a great, great design team, and uh, we've got a great show. Yeah, now when you put all this stuff together and you mentioned a lot of great people, it's it's clear you didn't just like, you know, pop out of the woodwork and go, you know, from nowhere I'm doing a doing this show. So what are some of the things you've you've done before? Well, my uh my background most of the work that I've done has been uh, solo performances. I've done uh at the Lambs Theater. I did uh, the Book of Genesis about 10 years ago, which we took uh we ran for a couple of months here. Then we took it to Chicago, ran a couple of months there, Dallas, a couple of months, Houston, a couple of months. Then Just we, 7 days at each place, right? No, these are months. Yeah, <laughs> these are seven. Yeah. Yeah, you missed Genesis. Oh, I see. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Well, we could. Uh, it was also the, the so and so lived uh, 962 years. We could have run that long, uh, but uh, yeah, and uh, that that show did very very well. I've done Mark's Gospel, uh, and uh, I've done a lot of recordings uh, where where that's where I spend most of my time is in audio recording. So uh, record. I've recorded the Bible three times, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, on and on and on. Recorded the Bible three times. That's right. I couldn't get it. I didn't understand it the first time, so I had to read it. I did do it a second time. <laughs> that must be a lot of fun. Do, do you get a lot of other voiceover work? Do you, what you're bringing up is um, you work a lot, obviously, in a lot of very Christian realms. Is that, well, is the, that by design? In terms just... of, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's my interest, uh, of course. And it's, it's the idea of, of trying to look at the great literature, and of course, screw tape letters, C.S. Lewis screw tape letters. Uh, take a look, look at the great literature from the the, the canon of of, uh, of Christianity, and not necessarily uh, specifically that, because so many Christian themes are in Les Mis and so many other things. Uh, but to look at those themes and uh, try to articulate them theatrically, even you know, even as we do the Bible, uh, there's a there's a level of of nuance and understanding that emerges when you speak it. Uh, that oftentimes you you lose when you read it because these are real people uh, with very specific agendas 
and we try to find the story underneath it and tell that story. And that's what we're doing with the Screw Tape Letters. I'm wondering how you find it in the in the theater industry here. I, we know that um, Kristen Chenoweth often gets called out in the media for her, you know, her fundamental Christian beliefs in, uh-huh. in this industry. And I'm wondering, um, is this just strictly academic interest, or I take it you probably are very, yeah, very Christian, uh, and, and how does that work with you professionally dealing with an industry that, quite frankly, can Yeah, be well, I mean, I think in many ways the, the industry sometimes uh, has good reason to be skeptical of, of, of Christianity. I mean, uh, you know, at the heart of Christianity is, is the, the belief that the world isn't what it ought to be. And and secondly, uh, in the, and and to to say you're a Christian, you're basically confessing that you're part of the problem. So, <laughs> so I think when you come from that perspective, uh, uh, and and I think one of the major themes of the Screw Tape Letters is is uh, is the is the theme of pride, which uh, usually leads to destructive behavior, and of course that's what uh, Screw Tape is all about. Uh, at one particular time, he's concerned that the patient is becoming humble. And so he asks Wormwood, have you drawn his attention to the fact? Smuggle in the gratifying reflection. By Jove, I'm being humble. And immediately pride. Pride in his own humility will appear. If he tries to smother that new pride, make him proud of the attempt. And so on. The enemy wants to bring your man into a state in which he could design the best cathedral in the world and know it to be the best. Rejoice in the fact without being any more glad at having done it than if it had been done by someone else. And of course, screw tape can't stand that. So at the, at the heart of, uh, of being a Christian is, is a sense that... Uh, that uh, humility is probably the uh, the overriding virtue. So I think if we can handle that, we can do some good rather than harm. You know, I know you've been doing a lot of interviews. I mean, how many people have kind of zoned in on the uh, Christian aspect of the show? Well, we we get, we certainly get a diverse audience. I mean, uh, my goodness, uh, I don't know how dated uh, this interview. If it's going to running relatively soon, we just opened. Two, uh, our first preview was two weeks ago, and uh, we've sold out just about each show, and it's a pretty good sized theater. And the demographic would be probably, in terms of, you know, would be very, very mixed, and I would suspect would be uh, non believer over believer. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, you walk down, you know, you can't, like, you know, spit sideways without hitting a Jewish play in this town. But, yeah. But they're, <laughs> they're not too many. But it, the thing is, I think the themes, in fact, we did a talk back, and, and you could tell from the talk back that people were from all over, the, all over the place. And they kept talking about how archetypal it was. And I think it is. I think Lewis, uh, one of the things about Lewis, Lewis was a, was a medieval uh, uh, literature scholar. And so all his, he brings, he brings so much of that and so much, so many of the ideas uh, that are in the screw tape letters come from Dante, come from uh, uh, John Milton's Paradise Lost, and he and he puts it in a way that is uh, is very funny, uh, very clever. Uh, the the prose is just extraordinary, you know, in terms of people, you know, just hearing this kind of language. So it's been a lot of fun to do. <laughs> yeah. 
the other question I'm wondering if you maybe know the attachment, unless I'm completely off target or, or things like else, it seems to me that there's an attachment between a lot of conspiracy theorists and the screw tape letters for some reason. I'm not... Well, uh, there's, there's <laughs> what, some actual what, true hidden true message in there that or, I, I, I recall hearing something about this. Is the specific? I'm just wondering if you. No, I, I, I actually hadn't. What kind of conspiracy would that be? That's, that's I cannot remember where, <laughs> where I know it was the screw tape letters, and I know they're talking about. It. I was wondering if if you would uncover the. No, word. but I'll, I'll it look. It seems to be something with that. It's actually an encoded message for the times, and it's something political about what was really supposed to be going on, from what I understand. Oh it's, wow. No, I, I, I hadn't. I'd be interested in knowing. So let's. When you find out, please tell me. <laughs> Maybe one of our listeners will. Yeah. Will, will have the the info and let us know. No, I would be interested. I mean, it's uh, it's it's very very clever, and the, I think the the word screw tape is uh, is some sort of a poisonous plant. Wormwood, which is another character, is a is a poisonous uh, bitter plant. And uh, toad pipe, I think, is a is a uh, a poisonous mushroom. So I mean, that's all. And the and and the uh, uh, the patient, which is who they're working on, it's an interesting metaphor too. Because when you think of patient, you think of somebody wanting to heal somebody uh, uh, from whatever sickness they have. Well, in Screw Tape's mind, the patient needs to be corrupted. Okay. <laughs> so now it's playing at the, you said it. Um, uh, theater at St. Clement's. Yeah, theater at St. Clement's. Nice theater. Yeah, great little space, and the set is just awesome. It's really a good space for the show. Yeah, it really. It's kind got, of a, an authentic, older. Well, it's an know, old Gothic. It's a, it's a historical Gothic uh, church that's been renovated. It's got very high ceilings, which uh, we make great use of. Uh, the, the sound design. Uh, yeah, we're just we're really pleased with the product. Now, is this an open run or is this a Well, we're going to be there. We're we're scheduled through December 9th. Ticket sales are very strong, so we're we're certainly having discussions uh and probably we'll be making a call down the road. But uh yeah, obviously we'd like to keep it running as long as we can. Yeah. Yeah, well, I definitely wish you the best of luck, and uh, maybe we'll find out the the source of this supposed conspiracy, even if it's just that I'm, like, off my rocker. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that couldn't possibly be true, could it? <laughs> so, um, basically, you open November 8th officially, yep. which is, I yep. think, when we're actually putting the, putting this up. So. Uh-huh. And uh, Max uh, McLean. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming down and talking about the screw tape letters, and uh, hopefully everything is smooth sailing. Listening room. Scott Allen is the host and founder of the New Voices concert series here in New York City, and as a writer himself, he has just released his debut CD, Dreaming Wide Awake, the songs of Scott Allen, with a bevy of stars recording. Um, we're, we have an interview with him that's going to go in the next uh, one of the next two episodes, along with a couple exclusive live performances, but we're going to tease that a little bit with one of the songs from his CD. This is I'm a Star, performed by Eden Espinoza. Someone give me a chance and just watch me break through I deserve to be seen This dream feels way overdue I was born to perform more than anyone knows I am passion and guts I want this and it shows I have fought, I have cried I've been broke, I've been bruised Yet at the end of the day This life is what I still choose I am song, I am dance All I need is a break This is all that I am Someone give me that chance I am more than the average no one 
chance Just to prove to you I am someone Let me sing for you now More than just 16 bars If you give me a chance You'll discover a star I will risk everything If that's what it takes I can be what you want I know all that's at stake All the strength and the will All the vigor and fight When I stand on that stage Watch my spirit take flight There's a dream I've anticipated Just you wait Cause I know I'll be celebrated I just need you to see All the hope and the drive This is all that I know It's what keeps me alive I know So that the real dream can start Cause I've worked way too hard To be brushed off just yet Time to prove to the world I'm someone not to forget I can't let all my dreams go nowhere I won't stop Till the day that I finally get there To see my name bright in lights Up there on the marquee All I need from you now Is to wake up and see I'm a Find out more about Dreaming Wide Awake. It's available at CD Baby and at iTunes. Visit scottallen.net. All right, we're going to bring the curtain down on Act 1 of Volume 135, but make sure you get Act 2 because we got a lot of great stuff, including that interview with Mo Hannon, Stephen Mo Hannon, Tony nominee, original Gus the Theater Cat in Cats. <laughs> and we got The Runner Stumbles. On the boards with the Actors Theatre Company. And we're going to hear some songs and hear about the Upright Cabaret in Los Angeles. All right, not to mention Top of the Trades and all the news stories. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and uh, enjoy a nice snack here at Intermission, and I'll see you in Act Two. So, a little more about our brand new theater and business arts major. I know what most theater programs are like, and I've talked to thousands of artists. All of this told me that a new style of theater major was needed. Theater majors can get a pretty good arts education just about anywhere, but most programs do very little to prepare actors, directors, playwrights, technicians, producers, etc. to manage their careers. When you go into the arts, you are your own business, and you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow. If you've listened to many of these interviews, you know you need to be self-starters to create your own opportunities. I'm going to make sure you are ready for that world, You'll get a ton of opportunities as an undergraduate. Actors will act, even as freshmen. Designers will design shows right away. Playwrights will see their shows mounted. Directors will direct. Producers will handle shows from inception to execution. Outstanding guest artists will conduct workshops, and outstanding students will even work on this podcast and travel to New York with me for interview weeks. And if that isn't enough, We've got an amazing program that will pay all or part of your student loan payments, even private loans, if you are earning less than $40,000 six months after graduation. 
That is an invaluable option that lets you pursue your passion in theater with less financial pressure. If interested, and I hope you are, go to broadwaybullet.com. I'd love to help you launch your career.